0: welcome to the latest edition of the Founded and Grounded podcast. Every edition we take a guest entrepreneur and we dissect their business story from the beginning to where they are now and we share with you their wisdom and their rollercoaster journey going into business for themselves. The highs, the lows and everything in between we share the real life wisdom of these people and hopefully these are things that will give you some assurance and inspiration in your own business journey or whether you simply like a good business yarn then this is the podcast for you. This is episode 16, and we are nearing the conclusion of our second season. Anyway, wherever you're listening to us, a warm welcome to the show. I'm Andrew Parsonage. Today, I'm delighted to say we're back in the Garage of Dreams. That is our state-of-the-art recording studio. And sitting opposite me, as ever, is business startup guru and friend of founders internationally, Mr. Ollie Collard. Good morning, or good afternoon, Oli, I should say.
1: Welcome, Andrew. How are you doing? It's good. Good to see you again,
0: mate. It feels like a while since we've uh, last sat in this garage and talk shop, but everything's good and you're well?
1: Yeah, very well, thank you. It's good to be sat here in your nice, cool garage, both with shorts on.
0: So <laughs> a beautiful picture for our listeners there. Suddenly, no cold drink to hand, but uh, we'll have to put that right maybe before our last show, Ollie. We'll make a bit of a champagne-soaked session. Anyway, so here we go then. So episode 16. And Ollie, please, could you reveal this episode's mystery guest entrepreneur?
1: So this week I caught up with Jess, who is co-founder of a business called That Works for Me, and this
0: episode is very much fitting with the times that we're living in. So we're at this interesting stage now, where we're coming out of, or we've come out of certainly in the UK the worst ravages of the pandemic, and we're now in this sort of interim phase where we're life is partially back to normal but we're certainly this is not the new new normal isn't it really but we're still waiting for full restrictions to be lifted but at the same time i think life has irreversibly changed certainly from a working point of view and i think this episode's feature business reflects that and reflects the changes to working life and to individual ambitions particularly those of mums and so the theme for this episode is mums the word And actually, there's something here for the dads as well. There's plenty to take from this story, isn't there?
1: Definitely, Andrew. And I think, you know, as you quite rightly say, the world of work has fundamentally changed. And it's going to be interesting to see how businesses operate going forwards.
0: Just before we start with the interview, I saw something really interesting on BBC News Online earlier this week. And I can't remember who put the report together, but the headline was simply that some employers envisage a return to I guess traditional working nine to five Monday to Friday working and and part of me felt that that feels completely counter to the the sense in which the world has moved on the world has changed and it it said to me have, have we learned anything from the last twelve months in terms of how more flexible working can be can be good for business can be good for individuals can be good for well being and and mental health and all that sort of stuff
1: completely agree i think it's a load of bs to be honest (laughs) with you if i was an employee at a company who said you've got to come in nine to five in the office every single day i'll tell them where to go i think covid has proved we can work now a lot more flexibly i think ultimately you've got to give your employees a choice so is it a hybrid is it some days in the office is it some at home (laughs) at the end of the day if your employees are getting the job done then to be honest with you, I wouldn't really care as an employer where they're working. Obviously, you'd like a bit of FaceTime contact sort of at least, you know, once a month or something. But ultimately, if they're getting the job done, they're getting the job done.
0: Well, that was Ollie there sitting completely on the fence for the response to that question. Let's, <laughs> let, let's uh, crack on then with the interview. And Ollie, you met up with Jess recently, didn't you? Or rather, you met up with her virtually. So let's hand over to Jess now who picks up on the story of how things came to be for That Works For Me.
2: That, for me, was born of my own story, actually. So I used to be strategy and distribution director for one of the UK's biggest insurers in quite a senior position for my age. And then I did that thing that so many women shockingly do, (laughs) had a baby, which was great on the surface of things. I went back to work on a flexible working arrangement. But what I found was I was the only member of the board working flexibly. And when it's just one person working flexibly and everyone else is working sort of standard office hours, then it tends not to work that well. So I think I probably lasted about eight to 10 months and then I... I really struggled. So trying to balance motherhood, tough baby, commuting to London, traveling all over. I think I was running sort of teams within the region of about six, 700 people at the time. Yeah, I just really struggled to make it work. So when I fell present with my second daughter, I made a really tough decision that um, left me absolutely short, actually, and I decided to leave. And again I did probably not not far off a year. I tried the stay at home mum thing. I had obviously these two beautiful young daughters and I drove myself nuts, probably is the best way to describe it. I realised what a huge overthinker I was and that I needed a, a challenge of my own, basically, something to think about rather than, you know, just thinking about these these two small people. And this one particular day a business owner friend of mine she runs a hugely successful catering company she's an incredible woman she called me absolutely distraught. her business was on the brink of going bust because she'd had quite a junior finance person working out her cash flow and unfortunately didn't have the cash in the bank that she thought she did and was sort of days away from losing everything I had said to her at the time why don't you hire a mum so I thought back to all of the women like me that I'd met in that sort of eight to 10 month period who were ex CFOs and ex HRDs all these incredible people who had fallen out of the workplace because they didn't fit a 9 to 5 but would more than happily and you know wanted to work with smaller organizations who needed less of their time to bring their expertise to the table so she got a CFO who worked for her maybe I don't know, four to six hours a week just keeping things ticking over but making sure things were headed in the right direction. That was my moment really where I thought, oh my goodness, there's this huge opportunity to bring together these two pools of people and why hasn't it happened before now? I'd always wanted to run my own business in some sort of form or another but never come up with the idea and I think it was one of the, it feels like a bit of a pipe dream sometimes, doesn't it? It's something you might like to do but Never really give it any serious thought. Anyway, this was the first time I just thought, oh, I haven't heard of anything like it. And I went out, and had a look at the market. And what I found was, I said at one end of the spectrum, you've got traditional recruitment model. So a business goes to a recruiter and says, this is what I need. You know, I need an FD or a CFO or an HRD, whatever it might be. And they charge anything between sort of 50 and 30% to help you find that. Sometimes they do a great job, sometimes not so much. And then right at the other end of the scale, you've got the sort of freelancer world where, as we know, there's lots of freelancer platforms in this space where you can can find experts, but they can potentially be anywhere on the planet. There's a real... A difference I think in quality of individual on there and actually what what tends to happen is the really good quality people who freelance in this space will join the freelance platform and be on there for six months realize that it's just a, a case of driving cost down to the lowest price and then they tend to leave them so actually the quality of what you're left with on there is not what you're looking for so there was this absolute gap between people who are experienced talented you know based in the UK looking for less than full-time flexible work and businesses who need people but not on a full-time basis, you know, so need an expert but they only need them for a small amount of time. I think that was my first sort of encouraging moment to say actually there there probably is something here and there's you know definite opportunity to bring these guys together. That's when I went to my best friend Nick and said, look, I'm thinking there might be something in this space. I think we might be able to do something here digitally. Nick's background is delivery, digital, program management, tech, all that side of things. how and I complement each other quite well? And when she said yes, I suddenly thought, oh, my God, maybe there's something in this. And that's how it all began.
1: So could you tell the listeners your elevator pitch for your business, Jess? Because I know you're fundraising at the moment.
2: (laughs) Yes, we are. So our elevator pitch is that that works for me as a progressive digital B2B platform that connects exceptional proven talent with businesses that need it and we embrace and promote flexible working to combat the lack of gender diversity in the UK which is estimated to cost 189 billion in GWP. That's it down on paper. What obviously we talk about is how we can bring together this massive untapped pool of talent that is mums who've fallen out of the workplace. There's this incredible stat something like 72% of highly experienced professional women leave the workforce and then three years of children and that skills wastage for me is just absolutely phenomenal and we see it as our job to do something about that.
1: Awesome nailed the pitch I (laughs) mean good stuff and in terms of obviously building a marketplace it's a bit of a chicken and egg Yeah. so how did you how did you go about that process?
2: So we did something that i would highly recommend actually so reflecting back on that i didn't know it was the right move at the time as i don't think you do but we started quite heavily with social media obviously we knew that our audience of professional mums basically where they would be and that that was a good space for them so we started up a facebook group which i think we initially just named like jess and nick's new venture or something i wrote in a lot of our sort of friends and family. It meant that we could sort of run polls and do a bit of early research and that type of thing into into what we were thinking and where our thoughts were taking us. So we had something like, I think it was around between three and sort of 500 members-ish is probably what it grew to. But we had this group of people who effectively went on to become our initial customers, where we could talk to them about what sort of work they'd be looking for, what problems they faced, what challenges that they, they came up against, and how they dealt with work after having children. And that for us just became a real. In front of all knowledge for us, we had this group running. We used a lot of that to work out what our proposition would be, what our brand would look like, what tone of voice worked, and what didn't. yeah, it was a really great way to do it. So we probably had that running for about eight to ten months before we got to the point where we you know even started building anything because at that point we were obviously still just working on concept and what it might look like.
1: You built your audience before obviously going to market, essentially.
2: Yeah, we did. So we had, so we kind of had that conversation group. From then, we built out the... Once we knew roughly what we were going to do, we built out the brand around it. So we built that works for me. We built the kind of the look and the feel, the tone of voice, how we would talk to people. And then we were able to set up You know, proper social channels where we were using, you know, curated articles and we were talking about our subject matters. Obviously, we talk a lot about flexible working, about returning to work after you have children. Later on, we started to build up the small business side of things. So, you know, lots more conversations with small businesses. That bit took took a bit longer and took more time. But like you say, we had to really work on what those two audiences were and balancing the two messages. And I would say. It took us a while to figure out how much do you talk to businesses versus um, members on Instagram, for example, versus LinkedIn versus Facebook. And I still do. I think we've got that perfect now. Probably not, but we're we're definitely a lot closer than we were sort of at the beginning.
0: Okay, Ollie, let's just reflect on one or two points from that first part of the conversation with Jess. And the thing that struck me first was that in terms of how she came to be doing this and and running her own business it felt like this actually came out of a, almost like a chance moment that there was nothing engineered about this it just circumstance happened to bring it to this point
1: yeah and I think quite a lot of businesses are actually started that way that you know serendipitous moment of timings and life events and opportunities that come calling so I do think that it was born about that nature
0: and very much exploiting a gap in the market which is promoting flexible working which is now you can't move without hearing about it so it's more part part of working life nowadays but also I think for small businesses who need very niche talent for fixed periods and maybe who previously didn't have agencies or reliable agencies they could go to for this so I think it serves two purposes for the small business and for the freelance mum or the freelance parents who has that time in their hands and wants to do something productive and useful
1: I think it definitely works from both perspectives and both sides of the fence I think the first problem this fundamentally solves is untapped potential in terms of very qualified mums that haven't returned back to the workplace for whatever reason. And they've got fantastic skills that are really capable people, but they don't have the opportunity to work. So fundamentally, it's solving that problem. On the flip side, from the business's perspective, you're completely right. It's solving the issue of not knowing who to trust and going to marketplaces like Fiverr that are very low priced, people that are located all around the world, potentially untrusted reviews, and you're not sure of the quality of their work. So it's really solving that issue as well. I really
0: hope times are changing. I think technology will be a big enabler here. But Jess came out with a, a pretty shocking statistic, which I hopefully have captured correctly here, that 72% of professional women leave the workforce within three years of having children it's quite a mind-blowing statistic and it's probably hard for us sort of two blokes sitting here to to fully appreciate the challenge that a, a new mum would have in trying to juggle childcare in a way that they feel they're doing the right thing by their child and also holding down a meaningful career but that that is quite a statistic isn't it?
1: Yeah but in a way I'm, I'm kind of not surprised because I think that increasingly you are seeing women in top positions within businesses but it's still dominated by men so I think they for whatever reason, which is unbeknown to you and I, Andrew, that they don't see the value in being able to allow them to work flexibly, which I think is pretty ludicrous in the times that we're we're living in.
0: We need to get a mum in the garage, actually. I'm not going to get Mrs. P in a minute to <laughs> keep wandering and have a, have a view on this. Anyway, let's just quickly talk about marketing and their use of social media, because what was interesting was that they used Facebook in particular, and it, it looked like they ended up building an audience through social media before actually going to market with the final product.
1: Yeah, and it's really important because they're essentially building a marketplace. They've got to attract both audiences to the platform prior to building it. And we heard from previous episodes, I think Nikki and April from Handsome about how they use Instagram to basically validate demand for their service and their marketplace. So I think these days you can do a lot by not investing a lot of money to actually prove demand for your product or service Mm.
0: what's also was quite interesting what I took from what you were saying was actually people think of Facebook as it's purely a marketing thing so it's almost like you know we're great buy our products sort of thing whereas actually they used it to canvas the audience in order to develop their product so you're going out and you're picking people's brains in effect you're not trying to flog them something you're trying to get something back from them which feels like a more constructive use of Facebook and I think people might be more receptive to rather than just simply being sold to
1: Completely. And I think before you're launching your business, you really need to get in the head of your target consumers. So Facebook is a great way to do that. Canvas people get their opinions, get feedback, and it's an easy way to find your target audience.
0: Okay, thanks for that, Ollie. We're going to move on now to the second part of our conversation with Jess. And regular listeners will know that we always talk to the challenges that an entrepreneur faced in getting to the point they are now. That's why we call it founded and grounded. It's all about the realism of setting up a business and going into business for yourself. So this is what Jess had to say, and inevitably COVID plays a part, but it actually had positive implications in the long-term for her business.
2: So we launched actually in December 2019. And as we know, this beast called COVID hit three, four months later. And I would say for the early days, that was probably our biggest challenge. When we started out, I think we had quite a clear sales and marketing strategy. We knew who we were talking to. We had a good idea about how we were going to reach them. Although being critically harsh about myself, I'd go back and say, do more rigorous testing on that. So we launched a beta version of the platform that was free for both sides of our marketplace. So it was free for our members to access and it was free for businesses to post projects and roles on the site to find people and that was great because that gave us a really good flavour for how our user journeys were working how the platform was operating generally you know how people interacted with it somebody gave me a great bit of advice at the very beginning of our journey and said whatever way you think people will use your platform they won't they'll use it in a different way <laughs> so Knowing that meant that we gave ourselves that period of three, four months to watch what people did, how they did, where they got, where they got stuck. So when COVID hit and we were thinking about our, you know, ramping up our marketing spend and, and making particular changes, all of our customers that we thought we were going after suddenly shut their purses and just said, no way, I'm not hiring. You know, the world has stopped. We're not going ahead. So all of a sudden, the things that we thought we knew and that were quite certain about our business plan were <laughs> not so certain anymore. That was obviously quite a scary place to be kind of three, four months into what had up to that point been quite a successful launch. So we made a decision at that point that we would not invest anything in marketing at that point, And we would pull any of our spend back into plowing it more into development. And taking all of our learning story that we had from that beta version into rebuilding, redesigning, and changing the platform so that once COVID, I say, started to calm down, I think once we all got used to COVID and how we would continue running our businesses in a new sort of COVID world, we relaunched around sort of September time last year and we launched with a much better platform that I could honestly put my hand on my heart and say, yes, I can charge you money to use this and know that it's going to deliver you exactly what I promised you it will.
1: Great stuff, Jess. And before we started recording, we were touching upon what it's like to be a business owner. And you were saying about, you know, your vast experience working with corporates and managing teams, but nothing quite prepares you for running your own business. Could you tell the listeners a bit about what that feels like on a day-to-day basis? (laughs) Yeah,
2: Absolutely. I think that the word I used to was it just feels like a, a never-ending roller coaster. I absolutely love running my own business, and I always knew that I would one day, but I just felt totally unprepared for the highs and the lows that come with it. The you know, I still, when we make a sale, get a huge bug out of that, and we'll walk around with a smile on my face you know, for the rest of the day but conversely if I think I mentioned to you that right at the beginning if anybody said anything negative about the platform I would just be absolutely distraught and just think oh god you know we spent so long working on that how could you possibly not like it but I think building that resilience is just a massive massive part of what you go through and actually learning to be really much more sensible about and where's that feedback come from? Is it from someone whose opinion you value or has it come from somebody who you should really pay no attention to because they're probably never going to be a user of your site anyway and they're not the person that you were going after? That for me was kind of a real steep learning curve. I think it was the first time I'd ever done anything so personal as building building my own business. And it, it matters so much more. It's easy to go into a job, go into an office and do something for someone else where it's not your money and it, and it's not your business. But... When it's your own, it's a real different kettle of fish, as my dad would say.
1: (laughs) Jess, so we've talked about the trials and tribulations of being a business owner. Who's your support network and who keeps you grounded?
2: So I am very fortunate enough to have a co-founder, Nick, who I've mentioned. And her and I, I think, balance each other out quite nicely. So Nick's had a baby since we started the business, and I mentioned earlier I I had a third baby as well. So there have been times where we've very much been on our own in it. And you really, really notice the difference, actually, with not having the other person sort of there to go and talk to and moan about or have a cry or a laugh, whatever it may be. That's a huge help. Having kind of a third voice in amongst the two of you is quite often not that you have arguments or disagreements and you need someone else to balance it. I think having a third party involved in some of your conversations who isn't as involved, if that makes sense, sometimes gives you a bit of perspective. So we have a non-exec director called Jody who's involved with a number of other businesses at different life stages and has seen some of the challenges that perhaps Nick and I haven't. We find that massively helpful. He's a real positive voice as well and when you have those moments of thinking oh god everything is falling over it's not going to plan or we're going to run out of money all those challenges I think every business owner has at one point or another he's quite often there to say to us this is normal (laughs) everyone goes through this this happens focus on this 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 or this and to try and get yourselves out of it
1: and just talking about family life I know you're expecting your fourth child fairly soon
2: Yeah, I am. I'm about eight weeks off now, and obviously completely crazy to have four children, so everyone keeps telling me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, firstly, congratulations, and secondly, I guess most people would be, if they're in a job, going on maternity leave, gearing down, but you're off raising investment.
2: (laughs) Trying to, yeah. (laughs) We decided at the beginning of this year that we would go out for investment that we would be able to ramp up our plans much more quickly, you know, with more money to invest. It's a real personal thing, isn't it? Without sounding horrible to this poor baby inside me, it's the fourth time. <laughs> so Well, first of all, I know what it's like to be pregnant. I know what it's like to have a newborn around. Well, our family structure is pretty well established. Being able to rely on that means that I... Still have the sort of time and commitment and headspace to focus on the business as well. Maternity leave will look quite different this time, so it'll probably be sort of six weeks, I'd say a couple of weeks to get ready for the birth, get the first month under my belt and then be back in the thick of things as, as much as I can. But this business has always been more than just the business, I suppose. It's part of my life. It's part of who I am and, and what I want to do, which is basically help bring wonderful, talented, experienced people back together with businesses who need that help. And I think none of that stops for baby number four. I'm just hoping the two will be able to coexist happily, (laughs) but we'll see.
1: So Jess, just in case there's any investors listening, how much are you looking to raise?
2: So we're looking to raise between a hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand in an ideal world. We would love an angel investor who knows the sort of space that we're in and knows what it likes it's like, sorry, to build that digital marketplace, particularly working with more kind of diverse groups and then we're quite keen on doing a crowdfunding raise after that. But as we know, the world of investment isn't or as I've learned I should say over the last few months. <laughs> The world of investment isn't isn't straightforward or predictable. So we're completely open to conversations and, and being flexible around that.
0: The first thing, Ollie, I wanted to pick up on was the quote from Jess when she said, whatever way you think people will use your platform, they won't. And regardless of, of detail, people have a way of surprising you. It's certainly your customers and your market do. So I suppose it's being fully open-minded to that and not being too precious about the thing you've built and being ready to change it if you need to in order to win that business
1: definitely and you've got to expect the unexpected I think these days business is all about people ultimately and humans behave in a very strange way sometimes so actually trying to predict what people are going to do uh, you can't so essentially you've just got to go out and test the product and see how people interact with it use it and what feedback they have on it because you can have the best design system in the world but ultimately you don't know people are actually going to use it in that way that you built it for Mm.
0: as i mentioned in my introduction to that next part of the conversation although covid had disastrous consequences or very difficult and demanding consequences for for businesses they ended up with a better platform as a result of that time they had to just reevaluate, tweak continue to seek feedback so there was a little bit of a happy ending to that dilemma.
1: Definitely. And I think Jess kind of said in our conversation that people are ultimately sitting on their hands in terms of making investments for their businesses. I mean, everyone saw that across the board really in terms of budgets being pulled left, right and center. So they regrouped, they thought, how can we use this time wisely? And they actually built a better platform and got some really good feedback from, from their existing users. And I think ultimately they've got a better proposition now and a better product.
0: Okay, well, moving move on from COVID because we've spoken a lot about COVID in previous episodes and I think we all know, <laughs> we all know about that by now. So the thing I want also to also to pick up on was about uh, the point that Jess made about being, in her words, totally unprepared for the highs and lows of running a business and therefore on the back of that being resilient in order to be able to survive that roller coaster ride. And in particular, she talks a little bit about feedback and not being overly sensitive about feedback, but being able to separate the wheat from the chaff.
1: It's a really important one. And I think it's quite easily to take things personally in the early days. But as you say, you've got to build up that resilience, that thick skin. Don't take those no's personally. And I think that just does take a bit of time and adjustment, regardless of what anyone says. You can try and prepare people for that. But until you've experienced it, I think you're right, Andrew. It's just about trying to build up that resilience prior to launching a business.
0: I know Ali, yours ask people about their support networks every time you catch up with the entrepreneurs. And we haven't really spoken about this type of support before. So I just quickly wanted to touch upon it, which is about the role of a non-executive director.
1: Yeah, so NEDs can be very important, uh, so non-exec director to businesses and small businesses in particular. It's usually experienced business people who've gone off, sold their businesses, been successful, exited. And now essentially, we've got some more time on their hands. They want to use their skills and experience to help other founders navigate the complex world of growing a business. Usually it's a paid role, so they will take a salary, but they'll meet on regular occasions with you and essentially help you form a board. And they'll give you that independent advice and utilizing their Black of contacts and all of their strategic knowledge from the past so they can help you on your business challenges. So it is a good way to obviously grow your business, but you do need a bit of a budget there to be able to do that. Yeah, I
0: was going to ask actually is there a particular point at which a founder should consider an an exec director? Yeah,
1: it's a really good point, Andrew. I think sometimes if the business is looking to scale and go on a fundraising campaign, then ultimately investors are looking for a board. So that could be non exec directors, but it also it could be an advisory board. So you can have an advisory board where it's not a paid role. Sometimes they do take an equity stake in the business as well. So it really depends on what stage of the journey you're on and whether you're looking for external finance as well. And obviously the the financial position of the business as well. So I think you could take on an advisor at any stage of the business and it will have a great impact, but it does depend on your financial position as well.
0: Mm. And, and speaking of raising finance, I know you wanted to quickly touch upon the point about jess seeking investment at this stage while she's quite she's actually heavily pregnant with her her fourth child at the moment raising investment at the best of times is a tough job so extra kudos to jess in that respect
1: yeah and i think what jess is doing really well she's speaking to other founders who've raised investment and learning from them because it is a completely different world an alien world if you're not From the investment world, it's completely different to running a business. There's lots of jargon, it's hard to penetrate investor networks. And also it's quite full of gray men essentially, so it's not really the world that she's from. So I think it is gonna be quite a journey, but I think the fact that she's also got another co-founder, she's calling upon her networks, I think she'll get there in the end.
2: listening to
0: founded
1: and grounded reality reassurance and inspiration every fortnight for the startup community
0: okay thank you ollie we're going to move on now to the final part of our conversation with jess and here she talks about the future for her business and also that one piece of advice for the founders as well as a question for our listeners this episode anyway back to jess
2: do you know what I would like? I would like for women to be able to have children and know that there is a, a safe, secure way of them getting back into work that doesn't fill them with dread and fill them with all of the confidence issues that I and all of the other mums I speak to face. And I hope that that works for me is the business that enables them to do that.
1: Love it. That's a, a very bright future then, and I think <laughs> utilising people's existing skills and doing it flexibly that fits her in around their family life is incredibly important because essentially people aren't fulfilling their potential that could be, and I think you're giving them a, a platform and a voice to do that.
2: Absolutely. It's just it's a it's a massive skills wastage that just shouldn't be happening you know, people get written off. And you know what, I've focused a lot on mums today, but we increasingly we talk to, we've had more and more dads register with us recently who have experienced COVID, have experienced more life at home and seeing the positives that that brings as well not to stereotype anyone but I think you know traditionally it has been more dads out at work whilst the mums have been at home looking after children I think them being able to see the positives of being around for school runs and reading time and dinners and that type of thing and wanting to be more involved in that side of things so I think it's really important just to flag both sides of the coins this isn't just a, a mum only thing.
1: Definitely that's really encouraging that more dads are registering on the platform and looking to fit in some work alongside their childcare commitments. And Jess, in terms of distilling down one piece of advice that you've learnt along your entrepreneurial journey, what is that one piece of advice that you'd pass on to somebody thinking of starting a business?
2: For me, it's knowing when to get outside help. And I I say that obviously from two different angles. The first is you just can't be amazing at everything no matter how hard you try and there are lots of incredible tools and platforms and things that help you with certain parts whether it's bookkeeping or your social scheduling or managing your people effectively but you just can't be fantastic at everything you might not be a good writer you might not be particularly good at, at cash flow monitoring for example and I think One of the biggest things for me is is knowing when to hold your hands up and say, actually, I need some support on this side of things. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something that you can factor into your numbers. For us, I know one of the early things that we sought help on was PR. And the same with development and user design. So neither Nick or I are designers of websites. And the one thing that we invested in really early on, which I... I'm very grateful that we made that decision, because that was a real Nick push, was to get support with um, designing user flow of screens and that type of thing, because I think that's what's actually made our platform. If that hadn't worked, then we wouldn't have sort of seen the success we have with users since. So I think, yeah, knowing when to go out and get external help is hugely, hugely important. Great
1: advice there, Jess. Have you got a question for our audience, Jess?
2: Yes, so I'm always interested in knowing where the crux point is between when you actually go out for help and when you keep it inside and how long people leave it. So my question is around what's the thing that you least enjoy around running your business, or it takes you away from your kind of core business for a disproportionate amount of time, and what stops you getting help with that? Is it people, finance, marketing? or is it something else? And what is that something else?
1: Awesome question, Jess, and we get some response from our lovely listeners for you on that one.
2: Brilliant.
1: Jess, I don't know sometimes if there's a service or someone selling something, sometimes they're able to give an offer to the listeners. I don't know whether there's anything you're able to do.
2: Yeah, so we can do a 10% off our monthly membership. So one of our kind of operating principles when we started out was to be affordable to small businesses because another thing that we recognise is that when small businesses go out to access expert help, it can end up being really expensive. So we offer a really cost-effective monthly package where you can basically post as many projects and roles as you want for £70 a month. I'd love to do a 10% off offer for all of your listeners.
1: So Jess, what's the code that our listeners can use to access that 10% off?
2: So if we use Grounded21, then that will give you 10% off our monthly subscription, which means you can post as many projects and roles under your business page as you like.
1: Great stuff, Jess. Thank you very much. Where can people find you?
2: So obviously our main platform is thatworksforme.co.uk. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We have a YouTube channel as well. Everything's under me. Equally, if you want to get hold of me directly, jess at thatworksforme.co.uk. I absolutely love interacting with other founders and I'm always happy to look at collaborations for either our members or for our small business community ourselves.
1: Amazing, Jess. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thanks so much for having me. It's been great.
0: An abiding message to take from your conversation with Jess is as follows. And again, to paraphrase, women can have children and know there's a safe, secure way of returning to work. Very simple maxim, but it seems like that's what that works for me is trying to achieve here, and that's the long-term objective.
1: Yeah, and the best businesses are ones which can really simplify their message, and their core mission is that simple, but brilliant at the same time.
0: We sit here as two dads, two young children, so we know all about that. And it's interesting, actually, how even though this starts out as maybe appealing to mum's returning to work or who mums who had something to offer they're actually now dads who are registering on the platform and it's an interesting reflection of how society has changed structurally how the economy has changed structurally how there are more women who are breadwinners who are out there earning the big money and actually now dads wanting a greater involvement in childcare, or actually even if they hadn't before covid they now realize they want to be more part of their children's growing up be more present for their children so seeing the advantages of maybe working in this way so it's encouraging to see and it's great now that it's not just a mum's thing but this is this can have a broad appeal to both mums and dads
1: yeah i think it's a great shift that we're seeing in society in general i think increasingly you know dads are taking shared parental leave obviously during covid i had the opportunity to spend half a day with my son every day I probably won't get another opportunity like that again so I think the world is changing I think this platform will give an opportunity for dads who want to be involved with their day-to-day childcare, but also bringing in a bit of income and keeping their mind stimulated at the same time
0: Ollie just wait for the joys of homeschooling mate you'll be (laughs) you'll change your tune then Uh, and that one piece of advice actually uh, it goes back to what we were talking about uh, a few moments ago about knowing when to get outside help. So we talked about the role of the non-exec director. It's come up in previous episodes. I think Jess put it quite neatly that You can't be amazing at everything.
1: Yeah, and it's a hard one, isn't it? Because when you're running a business, you do have to wear, as we've said many times before, lots of different hats. I guess the point at which you may look for outside help is... Essentially, if things aren't progressing in a particular area of the business or it's something that you really don't enjoy or you don't know how to do, I think that's the point at which you look for external help. Some people have the problem that they've looked for that help and been burnt along the way. So they're not open to doing it again. But I think actually finding trusted people on a platform like that works for me is a good way to do it.
0: Okay. well, related to that is this episode's question and the question from Jess was: what's the thing that you least enjoy about running your business but have heard off from outsourcing? And it comes down to one of four choices: people, finance, marketing, or A and other. Okay, so really interesting question actually. And I know Jess would love to hear what you've got to say, and Ollie and I would as well. And you can get in touch with us and share your views on this and anything else we covered in the podcast via these means. Here's Freya Scott.
1: You can find us on social media, we'd love to hear from you. On both Instagram and Twitter, we're Founded Grounded. And on Facebook, we're Founded and Grounded. So give us a follow to keep updated.
0: Thank you, for it. So please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And also please do tell your friends and colleagues about the Founded and Grounded podcast. We'd love to welcome more of you on board to share the wisdom of our guest entrepreneurs, as well as hearing from more of you in general. So uh, please do share the love of Founded and Grounded. That's pretty much it. Just to say thank you once again to this week's guest entrepreneur, Jess. And also worth mentioning that 10% discount off the monthly membership for small businesses to use the That Works For Me platform. Simply use the code GROUNDED21, Ollie. And finally, we wish Jess all the best for the safe arrival of child number four. So good luck for that. And obviously everything to come with the business and looking forward to hearing where it goes next. Ollie, uh, that's done for now, except we just got a, a quick call to put out there in terms of the and Grounder podcast
1: and growing the team. We're looking for someone with a flair for digital marketing. So someone who loves using social media, someone who's creative, can produce great content and has a love for podcasting essentially.
0: So, if you would like to join our team and provide us with a little bit of social and marketing backbone, we'd love to hear from you. Just get hold of us via the social channels that you heard about earlier from Freya, and yeah, we'll go from there. So, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from you all. In the meantime, though, Ollie, that's a wrap for episode 16. Thank you once again, Ollie. Really interesting conversation. Mummy's the words.
1: Thanks again, Andrew.
0: See you next time in the Garage of Dreams. And for you two, listener, thank you very much indeed for your time. We appreciate that you have a choice, a vast array of podcasts to go at in this world that we live in. So thank you for spending 30 to 40 minutes with us. You've been listening to Found and Grounded, episode 16, with myself, Andrew Parsonage, featuring the business acumen of business startup guru, Mr. Ollie Collard, and the vocal talents of Freya Scott. Do join us again soon. Take care of yourselves. Look after each other, of course. And we'll join you again for another episode really shortly. For now, though, cheerio you oh.